Hello, and welcome to the Wellcore Supply CAODC podcast for December 2019. I'm John Bako. It's hard to believe it's December already. Uh, we're only a few days away from Christmas. And the year's been a memorable one for CAODC members for a lot of different reasons. Um, and perhaps what's even harder to believe than uh, how fast the time has gone is that we're moving into what is uh, ostensibly our sixth year of a downturn. <laughs> I know uh, CAODC members that were still laying off employees as of only a couple of weeks ago. And it's incredible to think that this is still happening in our industry. Um, I really feel for those who are heading into the holiday season this year after just losing their jobs. So many hardworking women and men have gone through so much in the last little while. And, uh, you know, I think we can collectively say that we really do deserve a bit of a break here. Um, personally, I lost my job early in 2015. And looking back, although it was, you know, it was difficult at the time for sure. Uh, but really, I feel lucky to have been let go back then because, you know, it still seemed like there were a lot of opportunities available. Um, you know, and now entering six years of a downturn and still seeing layoffs like this, it's just really hard to imagine what's left out there. But for those of you, if you're listening and you have lost your job, don't uh, lose heart. You know, it was a tough time for me, for sure, but uh, things worked out in the end, and uh, I know it will for you as well. So I know it's hard to see that sometimes when it's it's really fresh, but uh, and especially when you're heading into Christmas. So, um, you know, for those of us in the industry, whether in Western Canada or uh, other parts of the country, we know how serious this downturn has been for our friends and for our families. Um, and that's for sure one of the reasons that the level of frustration is high and it grows when we listen to others who perhaps aren't as close to the industry as we are and they, they talk about the fact that things aren't that bad and, you know, why would you call it a crisis? I know we uh, called it a crisis at the uh, press conference after our State of the Industry report and some of the reporters there were asking why and uh you know i think for those on the outside obviously they don't see it the way that we do but it certainly is a crisis for a lot of people and a lot of families and um you know those who aren't in the industry we hope would at least try to understand what we've been going through for a long time now uh so with that in mind our special guest today Later in the program is Ms. Rhonda Roth. She's the Chief Development Officer with United Way of Calgary. Um, and we're going to talk to her a little bit about uh, what's happening in the social services area. Um, as mentioned, things are tough. And when, when things are tough, uh, everyone is impacted, including local charities. So we're going to chat with her later. Um, we also, as always, will have our Crux Analytics industry update for you. Um, Crux won't be sponsoring our analytics segment in 2020, so we would like to take the opportunity now to thank Jody Conrad and the team at Crux for their sponsorship this year. Um, she's a fantastic lady, and that business is uh, 
is a very interesting one. And if you haven't had a chance to check out the work they do, I uh, would definitely encourage you to check out cruxanalytics.com. Uh, we're, we're sorry to see Crux go, but that does leave a spot open for anyone interested in sponsoring our analytics segment for 2020. Give me a shout. You can reach me uh, via telephone at 403-264-4311, extension 120, or just send us an email to communications at caodc.ca, and we can chat. Um, We are going to have a year-in-review segment for our January podcast. So for now, for the December one, we're just going to take a quick minute to reflect on what has happened in 2019 from a bit of a macro perspective. Uh, it's too bad we don't have a call-in segment because I'm sure we could generate a lot of great conversation about what was ultimately a pretty eventful year. We had uh, two major elections, um, a lot of drama on the transportation side with respect to rail and pipelines. Um, what's interesting is that from a commodity price perspective, just doing some research for the show, it seemed like things were pretty stable. Um, when you look at January 2nd, 2019, WTI closed at 46.54 US per barrel. And as of last night, it closed at 61.30 US per barrel. So we're up significantly uh, from the beginning of the year. The 52-week low to date is 42.36, and the high is 66.60. So we're not, I mean, right now we're not too far off the 52-week uh, high for price of oil. Uh, Western Canadian Select was 41.06 U.S. in January of 2019, and it was uh, $35.60 U.S., as of Wednesday of this week, which was December 18th. So again, um, you know, not a huge variation there. On the gas side, gasalberta.com is reporting $2.17 Canadian per gigajoule in January of 2019 and $2.24 Canadian as of this past Wednesday. So relatively steady uh, for both gas and uh, Western Canadian Select this year, a bit of a a bump for WTI so um, you know that's excellent and also when you're thinking about Western Canadian Select remember that in November of 2018 WCS was priced at uh, $17.71 US so when you look at this week's number of 35 bucks that's come up quite a bit Certainly the curtailment program implemented by the uh, governing NDP and then sustained by the newly elected UCP throughout the year made a big difference in clearing that up. Um, But I think, you know, most of us would agree that it seemed like all year long we'd get some good news and we'd take one step forward and then we'd be followed by a couple steps backwards. And so when you look at some of the things that happened from a legislation perspective, uh, Bill C-48, Bill C-69, that's, that legislation was passed. And so, you know, the corrected differential didn't make much of a difference to investors because they still couldn't get the product out of Canada. So that wasn't great. Of course, the election in October was huge. Um, 
immediately following the election, we saw layoffs at Husky, like the next day. Um, and that was followed shortly by Encana changing its name, getting rid of the Canada portion of its name and re relocating its head office to Colorado. Two deeply discouraging events, uh, especially in the case of Encana, which is a, an old storied Canadian company with deep roots. Not easy to see that company leave. Um, understandable, however. And despite continued setbacks, Quietly in the background, as we get closer to the end of the year, there are some good things happening. Um, Enbridge's Line 3 completed the Canadian leg of its replacement program, and I think that, don't quote me on it, but I think um, takeaway capacity improved by about 150,000 barrels per day because of that, which is excellent. Um, and the Trans Mountain continues to move along. Currently, there's some legal challenges happening with a few more First Nations, but hopefully, when, when those hurdles are cleared, um, it'll be smooth sailing, and, and uh, construction is happening right now, too. So, you know, when, when we know that there's further consultation, and that's fine, and that's great, and that should happen, um, but... We also know that, uh, as the federal government said, they're committed to getting the pipeline built, and that consultation is happening in conjunction with construction, which uh, is really good news. So as we near the finish line for 2019, um, you know, we saw the government of Alberta lift curtailment on new conventional production, which was great. As a matter of fact, as mentioned in the last podcast, we are watching activity closely, and we may end up looking at... Uh, revising our drilling forecast for the year if uh, there's a material change throughout uh, the first quarter. We're hoping there is to the upside, of course. And uh, yesterday, CEO President and CEO, uh, CAODC President and CEO Mark Schultz and Alberta Transportation Minister Rick McIver signed a transportation MOA that will enable our service rig members to be much more competitive while continuing to uphold their exceptional safety standards. That MOA was, was huge for our service rig members, and we want to thank the Alberta government for continuing their commitment to, uh, to cut red tape and to make uh, the Western Canadian sedimentary basin more competitive. So all in all, it was quite the year for the association. Um, so that's a little bit of a preamble when we come back on the weld core supply caodc podcast we'll get into the crux analytics industry update and introduce our special guest for december ms Rhonda roth of the united way Weldcore is proud to support those who are working hard to keep our country running proud to be a canadian-owned welding filler metal supply company in a country that has the highest environmental and human rights standards in the world Weldcore supports ethical oil. Weldcore supports the Canadian oil and gas sector. The world needs ethical oil. The world needs Canadian oil. Let Weldcore Supplies help you make that happen. Okay, let's get into the Crux Industry Update, brought to you by Crux Analytics. The Crux Industry data set provides you with the most accurate and up-to-date drilling information in Western Canada. For more information or to subscribe today, check out cruxanalytics.com.
This November, we saw 3,805 operating days on the drilling side, down from 3,979 in October and 5,698 in November of 2018. That's a year-over-year decrease of 33%, which is a trend we've seen over the past several months. It seems like things are down about 30% year-over-year on the drilling side since we started the, uh, the podcast, which was in August. Uh, we averaged 155 active drilling rigs during the month of November versus 247 active rigs in November 2018. So from a jobs perspective, using our 175 jobs per working rig, that is a loss of about 16,100 jobs year over year. The province of Alberta had the most operating days at 2,497 with... Saskatchewan coming in at 869, BC 312, Manitoba 129, and Ontario 26. Of all of those uh, wells that were being drilled, 33% were deeper than 4,600 meters. On the service side, as of today, which is December 20, we had 84,007 hours in November. Uh, And that's down from 85,619 hours reported in October and 84,599 hours reported in November of 2018. That is a decrease of 592 hours from 2018 numbers or a drop of only 0.6% year over year, which isn't bad. We averaged 112 hours per working rig for the month of November and our working rig fleet was 470 for a working rig utilization of 43%. Of those service rigs that reported hours in the month of November, 65% were working in Alberta 27% in Saskatchewan, 4% in Manitoba and BC, respectively. And once again, we had those two rigs up in uh, the Northwest Territories. I'd like to interview the crews up there, see what that landscape is like at uh, this time of year. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, that's your monthly analytics summary brought to you by Crux Analytics. The Crux industry data set provides you with the most accurate and up-to-date drilling information in Western Canada. For more information or to subscribe today, check out cruxanalytics.com. All right, on to our special guest. December is usually the time of year where people's hearts and minds turn to others. We celebrate with friends, family, and our community, and many of us look for ways of giving back. Christmas is often a time when people think of charity and also a time when the social support groups in our communities are in demand. Our industry has been through some hard times over the past five years. We just talked about that. A lot of people are hurting. Income levels are down. Jobs have disappeared. And this affects families and communities throughout the year, but particularly at Christmas. Given the economic state we are in as an industry, we wanted to find out how this downturn has affected charities in our communities. So we got in touch with the United Way, a charitable organization with a wide reach and one that many areas of the oil and gas industry have worked with very closely over the years. So what is the United Way? Well, United Way of Calgary and area is, and I don't know if you know this, celebrating its 80th birthday in 2020. I certainly didn't know that. 
Uh, it's committed to helping individuals build a better future for themselves and their families. United Way focuses on three key areas, helping people overcome poverty, helping kids succeed, and building strong communities. While its founding purpose of improving lives through the power of community has remained unchanged, how they fulfill their purpose has evolved over the years to address the challenges of a changing world. Today's United Way brings people, organizations, governments, and communities together around a common cause, a common vision, and a common path forward. More than a fundraiser, United Way works with organizations and people from all walks of life to be part of local solutions by investing in local programs and collaboration, convening key partners to coordinate systems change, and building innovative solutions to address root causes of social issues. Issues like poverty, mental health, social isolation, domestic violence, and childhood development. Issues that widen the gap between those doing well and those who are not, and issues that affect all of us. In 2018, United Way Calgary alone invested $50 million into the community, supporting 138 programs at 90 local agencies and 52 collaborative initiatives to positively impact 163,667 individuals. Those numbers are indeed impressive. So to tell us more about the state of charitable giving right now, the Weldcourt Supply CAODC podcast visited the United Way offices in downtown Calgary to have a conversation with Chief Development Officer Ms. Rhonda Roth. Ms. Roth first joined United Way of Calgary and Area in 2010 as Director of Individual Giving. Now as Chief Development Officer, she is dedicated to building meaningful and trusted relationships with donors, partner workplaces, and foundations and ensuring United Way has the resources to drive sustainable solutions to complex social issues. Working closely with all departments, Ms. Roth is responsible for developing and implementing integrated fundraising and giving plans for the initiatives, collaborations, and programs United Way funds. Prior to joining United Way, Ms. Roth had over a decade of fundraising experience serving at the University of British Columbia as an associate director in the development program. Ms. Roth holds a certificate in fundraising management from the uh, British Columbia Institute of Technology and a Bachelor of Commerce and Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from the University of Calgary. Good morning, Rhonda, and thanks for joining us on the Wealthcore Supply CAODC podcast. Good morning, and thanks for having me today. Are you ready for Christmas? I am getting closer. I finished the shopping and I just need to start wrapping. Excellent. Yes, it's a busy time of year. So I want to say thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Um, December is a time for giving and so uh, we thought it would be uh, a great opportunity to chat with one of the most mm -hmm. prominent charities in Calgary and, and around the world really. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's get right into it. How long have you been with United Way? Uh, what is your background, current role, and what does it all involve? Well, I joined the United Way team in 2010, and my current role is Chief Development Officer, which means I'm responsible to build relationships and partnerships 
with different individuals in corporations in Calgary that want to do local good in our community. And I absolutely love what I do. I get to work with amazing donors and volunteers every day and help them uh, support projects and help people, uh, you know, to get into a better spot. And uh, that feels really good. Last year, because of donor contributions, we were able to positively impact the lives of over 163,000 Calgarians in the community. And that's something we're really proud of. Yeah, that's an incredible number. And it's just looking out the window here, we are talking earlier, it seems yeah. like a bit of a hub for uh, sort of charitable work in this, this part of Calgary. We can see in from the cold, mm -hmm. we can see the mustard seed right there. Is mm -hmm. that sort of, is there a particular reason or did you just sort of work out that way where all these charities kind of... There are historically a lot of services and hubs for services downtown, uh, but actually what we've been doing uh, more recently through the last couple years is starting to build hubs of services in communities so that folks can actually access the services and supports where they need in their communities. It's uh, through a partnership with the City of Calgary and the Rotary Clubs of Calgary, uh, and that way people can get the help where they need it instead of having to take a couple buses and train transfers to get downtown. Oh, neat. So there mm -hmm. was a bit of a sort of method. There was a method to the madness, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So can you give us an overview of United Way? It's a huge organization. Um, what is its history? What is the structure like? Uh, what are its objectives as a whole? Lots of questions here. Uh, and, and then, I guess, how does it integrate into specific areas? Because as we know, it's spread out all mm -hmm. over the place. Mm -hmm. Well, United Way is a global movement and a glo global organization. We have United Way offices in over 1,800 communities and 40 countries around the world. In Canada, there is 100 United Ways across our nation. So we have a, a big footprint in a number of communities across uh, Canada and around the world. Uh, so what's neat about being part of a global movement is that we're able to achieve efficiencies and economies of scale that uh, one small organization on their own wouldn't be able to do. But each United Way is governed locally. We're all independent, registered, not-for-profits, and we have independent volunteer board of directors that govern us, and that uh, helps ensure that the contributions that are provided locally here in Calgary remain in Calgary and are invested locally. Uh, my colleague Sheila uh, told me an interesting story about how United Way started back in the day in 1897 in Denver and it was uh, a small group of people that came together in that community to figure out how to work together to provide the services and supports that their citizens needed and Calgary got on that uh, map about 80 years ago now. We uh, will be celebrating our 80th anniversary at United Way in Calgary next year and and um, while our purpose of uh, supporting individuals through the power of community hasn't changed, the way we approach our work has changed and evolved over the years to meet the needs in our community. Hmm. So what are some of the charities and organizations uh, United Way works with in Alberta and Western Canada then? We do have a number of agencies we partner with because we know that not one organization or individual can help move the needle on a social issue. So in Calgary alone, we partner with over 90 agency partners. 
Uh, so that's a pretty significant yeah. number. A couple examples would be the Boys and Girls Club of Calgary, Big Brothers Big Sisters, the YW. Um, each of the agencies that we partner with are bringing different skill sets and expertise and programs to the table and we're able to collaborate and make sure that the community is cared for by working closely together. We also partner with a number of corporate partners or other groups or entities that aren't agencies because we need other assets at the table to work on the social issues. So an example of that is we have a wonderful partnership in place with our two school boards, Calgary Board of Education and the Catholic uh, School District, and that is focused on helping more students complete high school and move on to further education and the workforce. And since we partnered with the two school boards in 2012, that initiative has helped over 16,000 youth in our city. Wow. Mm -hmm. Those are some incredible numbers, and just in one part of the... Do you ever get any numbers, I'm putting you on the spot here, That's but okay. are, are there any numbers for the amount of people that the entire United Way has helped uh, in one given time? Or Well, you know, last year alone we were able to positively impact and change the lives of 163,000 Calgarians. So that's 450 Calgarians, and that's unique Calgarians each day that are helped because of the different United Way investments and programs that are made possible by the donations that folks are providing each year, and those are donations that a lot of the members in your association are providing. That's great. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if you could maybe scale those numbers across and think about a city like our size, maybe in, in different parts of North America. We, uh, yeah, I don't have that number at my fingertips, but we certainly do uh, from our partnership with our United Way Worldwide offices in Washington, D.C. They actually track the impact of the movement across the globe, and those numbers are really astounding. Huge, I mm -hmm. bet. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Both from a volunteer perspective and a donation perspective, but then also the community impact perspective, which right. is what we care about the most. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, not being overly familiar with how these initiatives operate, it's kind of neat to see how, you know, you guys can sort of be a, a leader as a larger organization to, mm -hmm. to kind of drive change all over the place and mm -hmm. then with that network of other smaller groups. Uh, with, with different levels of expertise, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. sort of really, really uh, drive impact down into the smaller corners of uh, so many different places. Yeah, it's impressive, mm -hmm. very impressive. So we talked a little bit about the fact that the year has flown by. It, it is has. now almost 2020, which is incredible. I can't believe it. Uh, we're hoping as an association for much better things in uh, mm -hmm. 2020 in terms of activity, but... Uh, as far as charity goes, I mean, I think the impression, the general impression is that people, things get busier for charities around Christmas, and that might be just because it's on people's minds. It's that sort of mm -hmm. theme of the season. Um, is there a tendency for people to think of charitable giving only at certain times of, of the year, and, and is that a challenge? I would definitely say that Christmas and December is one of the busiest times a year for a donation and actually a volunteer perspective as well uh, for any nonprofit in Calgary. And I think that's because folks are in a giving spirit. They're thinking about what they're going to be doing with their family and friends. And a lot of folks are grateful for uh, where they are in life and want to support others that might need a hand up. So we are busier from a donations perspective right now. I'd also say that 
we're busier in December because it's also the uh, tax deadline. So if you make your contribution by December 31st, you're able to claim that in your tax filings in the next file. And so I do work with a lot of folks that are calling us up until December 31st at 5 o'clock with their credit card information because they want to make sure that they can uh, make that contribution and get that tax uh, benefit in the yeah. new year. Well, that's why it's there and it's mm -hmm. important. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I would say, though, uh, from a not-for-profit perspective, there is need 365 days a year, and so do you encourage folks to think about their not-for-profits uh, throughout the year and what they can do from a, a giving and a volunteer perspective throughout the year? So we've been in a downturn for over five years now. Um, what is the need like currently for your services? And can you give us an understanding of how, if any, things have changed during the past few years on the demand side? Sure. So as you said, it has been a downturn for a number of years. And you know we've seen firsthand the impact that's had on our corporate partners and their workforce, their employees, and just individuals and families in Calgary. And from a not-for-profit perspective, the impact of that has been that our corporate partners and individual donors have not been able to donate at the levels that they would have been able to previously. And that is coming at a time when the demand and the need for social services has significantly increased. And, you know, when you and I think of someone um, that's vulnerable, in the past you and I might have thought about someone that was coming from a lower income background or living in a community that uh, might have a higher crime rate. But what we found in the downturn is that anyone can be vulnerable. And uh, the face of poverty has changed in our province in the downturn. We are seeing more what you would consider uh, middle-class families starting to have economic challenges, losing their job, uh, running out of their EI benefits. And uh, those folks now are the ones that used to actually help fund and donate and support services are now accessing those services for the first time. One of our uh, partners, our agency partners, the Distress Centre, runs a phone line called 211, which you can call and access 24 hours a day uh, and get information on how to access services and supports you might need when you're running into a challenge. And they are getting a significant number uh, through the downturn of first-time callers who have never needed help before and, you know, middle-class families asking about how to access a food hamper. So we've seen definitely an increase in the demand for services, uh, also in the domestic uh, violence uh, front as well. The number of domestic violence uh, cases and occurrences has significantly increased in the downturn. Uh, the reported cases in 2013 was just over 2,700 cases, and last year it was just over 5,500 cases. And when folks are feeling financial stress at home, uh, that can directly contribute to domestic violence as well. Um, you know, and just overall, the face of poverty has changed in our city. Uh, a colleague shared a statistic with me recently that 
um, almost 60% of Calgarians that are living below the poverty line are actually working full time. So they are, you know, doing the best that they can to provide them for themselves and their families, but they're just really having trouble getting, uh, you know, a step up. And um, this is coming at a time when, uh, you know, we want to make sure that there's enough services and supports for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's such an incredible statistic and, you know, the working poor, um, you hear a lot about it, but, and for me, it just seems like the length of this downturn is is really, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously Mm -hmm. uh, one of the the key factors and people have been, you know, trying so hard for so long and just not getting any breaks and uh, I know, as I was mentioning, in the advocacy space, we're always talking about uh, support for the Canadian oil and gas industry, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it seems as though we've been telling this negative story for so mm-hmm. long. You know, we don't have any pipelines, uh, yeah. we can't get anything built, can't get our product to market, and then as soon as there's some some light, it seems like something else bad mm-hmm. will happen. You know, and it uh, it helps to have a sense of humor sometimes it about does. this stuff because yeah. boy, if you didn't, it would really be uh, tough. And we actually do some work with. Uh, the food bank mm-hmm. and um, you know I'm down there on a weekly basis and, and you see families coming in and, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't know I mean it's not maybe fair to say that you'd have an impression of, of uh, a food bank client but mm-hmm. uh, you know it's just all types of different people mm-hmm. down there right now and yeah. I know that they're extremely uh, busy mm-hmm. uh, right now and, and uh, looking for donations all the time because mm-hmm. uh, yeah the amount of uh, of uh, hampers that are going out of there have been uh, kind of like at Christmas levels but throughout the entire year. That's exactly right, yeah. I do have to say that I know it, it has been a significant challenge in the downturn for your sector, uh, but we are so appreciative of everything uh, that the oil and gas sector and, and their employees and, and companies are doing for the community because they are continuing to give back what they can, either through volunteerism or donations. And, you know, we see that and the community is very grateful for that. Well, that's great. It's nice to hear for sure. Um, and that, I guess, really leads into the next question um, about the trickle-down effect. And, and it, you know, I mentioned it actually in a couple of our podcasts earlier. Uh, where We've had anecdotes of, of university students, economic students, saying that their professors are telling them that the trickle-down effect doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you hear a lot of people who, uh, I guess, are perhaps anti-development uh, in, in general and then uh, anti-oil and gas as well. They, they, they don't seem to think that uh, you know a healthy oil and gas industry means that other areas are, are healthy, including the, the charity space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering what your thoughts are. I mean, would you agree that uh, the trickle-down effect exists, it doesn't exist? Can you give us uh, maybe your impression of, of that? I've been in the not-for-profit sector for over 20 years, and I can tell you from my experience that when corporate Calgary hurts, uh, not-for-profits are also hurting at the same time. And you know, when I'm working with individuals who are feeling 
positive about what the economy is doing and feeling positive and safe about their job prospects, they donate more. And the reverse of that is true in terms of right now, when folks aren't feeling as positive about the economy or as certain about their jobs, they're less likely to feel confident enough to make a donation. And um, a colleague shared an Angus Reid poll with me recently uh, that was just done uh, that said uh, that 43% of Canadians surveyed expect our economy to uh, continue to worsen next year. But in Alberta, uh, the number was actually 79% of folks uh, expect it to potentially worsen. And 64% of Albertans surveyed were concerned about potentially having a loss of a job in their household. And and so those two uh, statistics tell me that it's continued, it will be continued to be tough to secure resources in the not-for-profit sector to do the work that we need to do for the community. Sure. I mean, it makes sense. You know, you want to take care of your family first, and you should. Yeah, and, you should. Uh, you know, if, uh, if you can't donate, I mean, it's... And what about volunteering? Like, are, it, are those metrics tracked separately, or... Um, in terms of... Uh, Does the volunteering kind of fall off as well? I mean, we talk a little bit yeah. about donations, but... I would actually say, I haven't looked at that uh, specifically recently, but I would say that there is, I would actually say there's more interest in volunteering right now, especially from our corporate partners, and that um, it's actually a good way to build culture and cohesiveness for an organization to go out in the community and volunteer. So we are seeing more corporate partners wanting to uh, organize volunteer opportunities for their uh, workforce. Well, that's great, and we'll talk about that later. Yeah. A little bit later so we mentioned next year it doesn't sound like people are too positive that it's going to improve that much here's hoping we're all wrong um, but as far as the United Way goes for 2020 what are the areas of uh, focus for you well we are you know our all nonprofits are being disrupted right now um, just like other industries are you know technology is really changing uh, how we work and you know just in terms of individuals and how they want to participate in community has changed over the years and so we are really leaning into that disruption and uh, in 2020 we are going to be releasing our new community impact strategy and so what that means is our approach to working in the community and uh, creating real change for individuals uh, we're going to uh, approach that uh, differently in 2020 so we're excited about that we'll be also implementing our new Indigenous strategy, which we've been working on uh, with the Indigenous community and elders uh, over the last 18 to 24 months. So uh, we're excited about that as well. And um, we're also doing a lot of work in the children and youth mental health space. And we'll continue to do that in 2020 because there is a lot of concern in our community about anxiety and uh, depression uh, and self-harm uh, amongst our children and youth. And so we've got some really good projects going on there. And also um, the last piece that we're excited about is that we are in the process of uh, bringing in a model all the way from Iceland uh, that's going to help work on some of the addictions and substance misuse that we're seeing amongst our youth. And so we've got a great collective uh, of people working on that uh, right now, and we're excited to keep pushing that forward in 2020. Wow, sounds like there's a lot to do. Um, interesting you mentioned 
children's anxiety. Mm-hmm. We just posted on our social this week uh, an article from a f- uh, family in Toronto. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that, but a young girl came home from school and uh, was convinced that you know we only had eight years to live because of the mm-hmm. uh, some of the climate information mm-hmm. that was being shared in the classroom. And uh, so we're. St- I mean, I I don't know how. Uh, prevalent it is. I mean, we've had a lot of our members saying to us that, you know, they think the association should be involved in trying to balance information mm-hmm. in the classrooms in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, sharing what it is that we do. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we know if, if you are working in the industry, in, especially in Canada, you understand how much work goes into being mm-hmm. safe and, and clean and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, that whole climate change anxiety issue is uh, not going to go away anytime soon uh, mm-hmm. and that uh, along with a poor economy along with a lot of other things is tough for young people uh, you know for sure so I can see there being a lot of need in that in that area it is tough for young people and mental health is something that you know it it can happen in any household with any income in any uh, region and it's something that we really want to do as much as we can to wrap around and support so our children and youth are able to you know have uh, an amazing childhood where they're um, you know able to thrive and not have to worry about uh, things like that well, that's great so a lot of really interesting and important initiatives happening in 2020. If our members are interested in, in helping out, uh, what, are the, what are some of the ways they can get involved? Well, I'd encourage folks to think about first their time and their talent. There are a lot of volunteer needs and opportunities in nonprofits across uh, you know, the city and Western Canada. Uh, from a United Way perspective, we have lots of volunteer opportunities uh, for folks that are interested and have some time. We've actually got one right now for math tutors. Of all things, we uh, provide math tutoring for free uh, in different. I can use some yeah, math as could I. Uh, <laughs> but we have a need for some more volunteer math tutors, so that's just one example. Uh, so encourage folks to think about what they're passionate about and what skills that they have that let that they like to lend to the not-for-profit sector, and. Uh, uh, of course, we'd love folks to consider to make a donation to United Way to support uh, the good work that we're uh, doing in the community. And we actually have a couple of really good matching programs this year, thanks to a few major donor families, and that will allow folks to double the impact that they can have in their community. So there's lots of information on our website. And as um, I mentioned earlier, there's United Ways across Canada. So if your um, listeners are from a a different city, I'd encourage them to look up their United Way in their local area to see what might be available for them to get involved. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much for your time. Um, We really appreciate it. That was Ms. Rhonda Roth. She is, what did I do with your title here? Oh, Chief Development Officer of United Way. Um, Again, it's a busy time of year. And I know you guys have a lot going on, so thank you very much for taking the time to join us on the Wealth Course Supply CAODC podcast. And uh, have a very Merry Christmas. You as well, and thanks for having me today. And thank you for everything the association and all your members are doing for the community. It's really appreciated. So thank you very much for joining us this month on the Wealth Course Supply CAODC podcast. We'd like to thank our special guest, Ms. Rhonda Roth from, from the United Way and uh, Ms. Sheila Rougeau 
who organize things for us over there. Thank you very much. Um, we appreciate your time. And for our listeners, thank you. It's uh, It's been a great year. We've had, I think this is our fifth episode. Thank you for downloading. For those of you who download or for those of you who uh, listen regularly online, we really appreciate it. If you do enjoy the show and could give us a like or share, we'd appreciate that as well. Uh, so... Thanks again. Have a great Christmas, a wonderful New Year's, and we will see you back in January for our look at the uh, previous year. We're going to do one of those year recap shows that everybody does. (laughs) I don't know if anyone likes. Ah, they're good. They're good. At any rate, we're doing one. And so we'll see you in January. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Take care.